Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Watch us on our live stream using Rumble, Facebook, and Twitter. Welcome back to the third hour of the Tobler Show. Uh, among the big issues that are leading the issue tote board this election season, of course, is law and order. When, when we think law and order... I think Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith and, of course, the National Police Officers, the National Police Association. She's the spokesperson for that group. And uh, thanks for taking time off of all of your brilliant uh, TV appearances to be with us, Betsy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I I, my heart is with radio, so uh, I sure appreciate being with you. Well, I enjoy uh, every time that you're getting the word out about backing the blue in its various forms. And sadly, sadly, there's a lot of opportunities to do that. I mean, don't you wish that uh, there was more backing of the blue, less crime, and you could spend more time uh, fishing, hunting, golf course, whatever you like to do, you know? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, and there's new Gallup polling out there that says that most people uh, have respectful and positive interactions with American law enforcement. So the, this false narrative that somehow the American law enforcement officer is the cause of crime is violent is, you know, are so many bad things. You know, that's why the national police association exists because we're trying to fight that false narrative that somehow we're the problem. But fortunately the American public is catching on to the fact that that's just not true. And folks, if you want to learn more about the great work being done by the National Police Association in behalf of all of the great um, police officers uh, across the nation, it's nationalpolice.org, nationalpolice.org, the website. And on Twitter, it's at Nat Police Associ, at Nat Police Associ. Let's start with something close to home. Yeah, we're in St. Louis and the metro area and a lot of listeners here, but everyone knows about Independence, Missouri, about an hour north of Kansas City. And the other day during an eviction serving process, a process server, one officer killed, uh, Officer Cody Allen, a young man, I think he hadn't been in duty a long time, uh, killed in the office of eviction services, two other officers down, and uh, I, I think they're going to survive. What's it come to? The, the threshold, Betsy, for violence against officers seems to be lower and lower and lower. If, I know, if I'm unhappy with you because you're, you know, doing something that the law asks you to do, police officer uh, or, or a process server, I think I'll pull out a gun and shoot you. It's, 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 it's like Mad Max anymore. Well, it really is. And this eviction had been going on for a year. And if people if people remember, go back to the pandemic and remember that there was this moratorium on rent, moratorium on some tax payments, things like that. And that's what this was. The the suspect, uh, Larry Acree, he hadn't paid his taxes. So Jackson County has been working on getting him to pay his taxes for well over a year. And finally, you know what happens when you and, you know, you know, whether or not you say that that's fair, that I have to, you know, I own a home and I pay taxes. That's another uh, that's another issue. But Drexel Mack, who is a process server for the 16th Judicial Court of Jackson County, Missouri, he simply went to this home and said, here's your eviction notice. 
you know, you've either got to get out or pay your taxes. And he was met with gunfire. A neighbor called 911. A process server also called 911. And so the independent Missouri Police Department responded. 35-year-old officer Cody Allen immediately went to aid Mr. Mack and was met with gunfire and, and killed there on the scene. And then two other police officers were uh, shot. One is uh, still recovering in the hospital, but is expected to make a full recovery. Another's recovering at home. And here's what I want people to know about Cody Allen. He's a husband. He's a young dad. He was with the Independence Missouri Police Department a while ago. He left to go into the private sector. And two years ago, he came back to serve his community once again. So at a time when a lot of people are leaving police work, Officer Cody Allen came back. Wow. And he's the, what, uh, sixth or seventh officer down this year? Is that right? We have had, in fact, we have we have had uh, seven police officers shot in a 24-hour period. We have had 63 police officers shot already this year. Seven have died, but 63 cops oh. shot. It's March 2nd. Um, you know, wow. last year, cops, cops being shot um, was up 60% in 2023. 60%. It's now up another 7% from those historic mm. highs. So it is, you know, and we talk about the war on cops and we talk about that a lot. It truly is a war on cops. And like you so eloquently said in the beginning, this was over nothing. And it's just, hey, let's shoot at cops because we don't like what the government's doing. We don't like what, you know, my spouse is doing. I mean, time and time and time and time again, we are seeing police officers who sacrifice their lives uh, over silly things, a driver's license, a domestic dispute. Um, it really is a war on cops. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder, Betsy, if it's not time to rethink what we're doing with um, violent criminals before they kill someone, before they rape someone, uh, maybe even criminals who commit crime against property. I was talking with a judge in central Missouri the other day. I said, you know, it seems like every time we report on a violent crime that results in a woman being raped or killed or a guy or a, you know, a, a police officer, whoever, it seems as though these people, maybe not in this instance in independence, but very often they have prior uh, records that people would say, why weren't they in jail? And he said, you got to look at the Department of Corrections. Now, that's in Missouri. I didn't have a long time to discuss with him, but it seems as though do we need not only more officers on the streets to have a to have a presence, but also just more jail space? I mean, what seems to be a best practices solution to this problem of recur recurrent? Well, crime? you hear. Right. You hear a lot about decarceration. And so we've gotten you. Nobody knows this more than St. Louis. You know, you have these district attorneys who literally run on keeping people out of jail. What we need to do is to go back to what we did in the 90s, where we had a similarly horrible crime problem in this country. And we started to 
punish people. We went back to looking at lower level of crime. You know, this is called broken windows policing because, you know, exactly what you said. We see these people who were, you know, who murder somebody, rape somebody, and they've been arrested for theft, armed robbery, uh, you know, petty things like shoplifting, things like that. If we don't deal with the small crimes, there are certain members of the population that are going to keep working their way up to bigger crimes. If you don't feel like as a criminal you're going to be punished, then why would you stop at, you know, stealing a a bar of soap or a candy bar or or this or that? So do we need to put people in prison? You're absolutely right. We're going to need more prison space. And we do need our prisons to do more than just incarcerate. You know, you look at what's going on in uh, in Oregon with Measure 110. They're trying to compassionately handle drug possession and drug addiction. Why can't we have a prison that has drug addiction treatment? There's places that do that around the country. But sometimes people just need to be locked up and people need to be punished. They need to be held accountable for their crimes. That's how we solve this problem. Yeah, most of us don't learn from the right things that we do. We we improve whatever mistakes we make. If I, I'm going to try to make pancakes after the show today, and that's probably not going to work out real well, Betsy, but, you know, I'll do it better because I'll be accountable when my wife says we have to go to the donut shop, you know, that's that you learn. Okay, so by making people accountable, realizing they made a grievous error, and at the same time offering them a better way forward, that's the way we've done it. Whether in our families or in a in a civic sense, you know, with 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 uh, criminality, and it just seems so elementary, but yet we won't do it. Now, how how do you at the National Police Association fight the headwinds? Informationally, of the likes of you probably heard about this Harvard professor. Um, economics professor Roland Fryer, who was told not to publish a 2016 study that he eventually did publish on racial bias in Houston policing. I'm sure you've heard the story. He he said, much to my surprise, I set out to prove that the police are, uh, you know, uh, biased in the in the in the in the way they treat uh, black people. And and he said, no, I actually the, the, the stats didn't sh- when it came to the to shootings and so forth. And yet he was told by colleagues, oh, don't publish that. That goes away against the narrative. And he's not alone. There's a whole there's a whole world of, quote, academics who are just deceitfully concealing what they know to be the truth about, you know, cop on black, uh, you know, so-called violence. And, and it's actually the other way around. How do you fight back against that dis and misinformation that is just blatant across liberal airwaves, academia, everywhere else? Well, then, and thanks for asking. The National Police Association has a fantastic newsletter that you can go to nationalpolice.org and sign up for. And we defend law enforcement agencies, their officers, their supporters, and that's really important. And we use litigation. We use communication. We get active and we advocate for this profession. We're not a union. We're not a membership organization. But we have tools, not just for law enforcement officers, but we even have a homeschooling program that you can download for free if you're a homeschool parent 
to help teach your child about the the positive things that law enforcement does and how the system works. We get involved in policy and legislation. We even have grant programs for small police departments who want to start an explorer program or need a, a, a body armor for their canine. And we do it all with donations. If you go to nationalpolice.org, there's a donate button. And we, we need help from the public because fighting this false narrative from the media, from politicians, from quote unquote activist groups, and exactly what you said from academia, it's an uphill battle and, and we need help and we appreciate the help we get. Yeah, I don't, I just can't imagine what it is to be a police officer these days when you, you don't have the backing of, in, in many jurisdictions, you don't have the backing of prosecutors. Um, you don't have, and, and maybe judges who would like to lock these people up. Uh, you, there's not the capacity. It seems to be a revolving door in the, in the, uh, you know, in the incarceration system. Um, but you know what? I feel like things might be turning. The tide might be turning. You look at the national polling um, and, you know, law and order and criminal justice are, are, if not in the, you know, the second in place behind border, which is related, it's third, you know, behind border economy and, and crime mm-hmm. and, and punishment. So I think I think the messaging that you're doing is getting out there. I hope people jump on to nationalpolice.org, support the organization, support your local police uh, department. Are you feeling like it's working? Are you getting some better vibes just in terms of what you're feeling from people that connect with you, regular citizens? You know what? We really are the positive messages that we get on social media and in person when I go to a conference and we have a booth. I mean, people come up and they're just like, we love what you do. Thank you for what you do. And so many of them come up wearing like a a little thin blue line pin, things like that, or they ask for them. You know, and and gosh, we love that. You know, I was a cop for 29 years. I'm still a current police trainer. And and we see so much positivity. And I believe, and the polling shows it, that most people have great interactions with the police. Most people really care about law enforcement. It's that tiny minority that seem to get the most attention in saying, oh, the police are bad. The police do these bad things. So, you know, do we see the tide turning? Yes. And in an election year, remember, Joe Biden just came out with his new crime plan, which, was, you know, two days ago, which was a bunch of uh, nonsense. It was a painful speech to watch, but I encourage everyone to go watch it. Um, but, you know, how much are they doing? Not much, but they're talking about it. And the more we talk about it, the more people learn the truth. And that's what we really need to do. And you're right. It's a it's a squeaky but very um, for for some reason very effective minority that show up at city council meetings, county commission meetings, uh, you know, testify at state houses, and and I don't for the life of me understand why legislators, county uh, commissioners, and city uh, you know councilmen and women why they listen to that. I don't understand it, but I think we have to keep beating the drum. I hope everyone will support mm-hmm. the National Police uh, Association at nationalpolice.org. And thank you for all you do for getting the word out, Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith. Really appreciate your work. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there she is. And guys, you know, I don't know about you, but when I see a police officer, um, I don't care in what situation. I, they can be across the parking lot and I'm coming out of a store. I will walk out of my way and i don't know maybe it's maybe it's becoming 
old hat to them, but I don't think so. I, I, I get the sense that when you just walk up to them and say, thank you, we know you're under siege. We, we value and appreciate and treasure what you do. Because uh, these days, I mean, it's, they don't know, serving an eviction notice, a process server gets shot. And then when a police officer comes to their, to their aid, he's shot and killed his wife and kids left behind. I, I just, we have to show gratitude. We have to show gratitude. Well, it's your turn to comment on the stories of the day. Pretty good winning streak for Donald Trump in court, uh, in the polling uh, this week. McConnell stepping down, Biden and and Trump at the border. Today, the Missouri GOP presidential caucus. Weigh in on whatever suits your fancy, would you? 314-912-1019. Look forward to talking to you. The floor is yours when we come back on The Randy Tobler Show. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Watch us on our live stream using Rumble, Facebook, and Twitter. Talk lines are open now at 314-912-1019. Thank you for being with me this and every Saturday. This is an exciting time. It is, uh, well, it's like a rolling playoffs and Super Bowl ultimately in November, isn't it? I mean, when you think of the from political sense, this is unbelievable. A great opportunity uh, in the wake of several really good opportunities starting in 2020, 2022, and again in 2023, we've had, had, some, uh, had some disappointments. We need to figure out in the conservative movement, you notice I'm sometimes loathe to say Republicans, because sometimes I'm not proud of the Republicans, the way they have not stood together, been as militant, and I mean in a politically activist way, as really they should. And I think uh, this is an opportunity to do that. Now, that said, they have to function in a culture that is broken. So I think while we need to, um, it's a tough time for those of us who are who are Christian conservatives, and I think uh, many in the Jewish faith share the same conservatism. Some don't, um, but Orthodox Jews certainly, and I know there's many of my Jewish friends that are as conservative and constitutionally um, uh, abiding as I am. The whole discussion of Christian nationalism comes up. Uh, I don't think that this was a a Christian country. I think it was a country of Christians. Those are two entirely different things. Uh, I think that it's absolutely proper and helpful for people like Mike Johnson, who have a Christian ethos and background, to to proudly bring that worldview to governance. On the other hand, I would disagree if someone should say that we need to have Christians run this country. I, that, I think that, be, that, that would be dangerous, frankly. We don't want a theocracy. There's a lot of discussion going around that. But then that makes you wonder about the whole abortion argument. That's, I think, what this election is going to pivot on, where the GOP decides to land on some consensus mes- messaging on bo- abortion. Let's talk about it. Who's on the line? Let's talk to caller one. Is that Gene? Oh, we're getting a caller. 
Nope, looks like not. Okay, 314-912-1019, the number. I see Jerome picking up the phone there and talking, so we'll uh, we'll get to a caller when we can. Um, Sergeant Betsy Brandler-Smith, though, really nails it. Unless we get our policing in order, unless we support our cops, unless we tell those who uh, want to destroy policing to stand down or go live in those hornet's nests of crime-ridden neighborhoods, you see, the people, the elites like the Nancy Pelosi's and the others who uh, who don't really who want to destroy crime, right? destroy uh, policing. Have not thought it through very well because they live in comfort until they don't like Nancy Pelosi's husband would tell you. And so these days, as the as the tolerance for criminality goes up and up and up in our country, among elites in the academy uh, at in our in our schools. Um, I've heard more and more about how the whole notion of, of empathic uh, discipline in schools is coming into and filtering in. Maybe it's been there longer in some jurisdictions and others in some districts where instead of punishing a child who doesn't show up for class or who threatens a teacher, the principal goes out and plays some basketball. Well, let's get you out and have some time on the basketball. Let's go shoot some hoops. I think we've got to send some different messages. That relates to the whole problem with gentle parenting. <clears throat> Abigail Schreier's written a lot about that. It's a disaster area. Who's on the line, Jerome? Uh, we've got a gentleman that wants to address some of the things that uh, Sergeant Betsy was talking about just a moment ago. So I'm going to go ahead Let's, and throw him on the air real quick, okay? Let's do that. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Tobler Show. Welcome. Hey, Randy. I'm uh, right here in St. Louis. You know, I was in the ghetto in there for about 20 years. And I scratched and clawed my way out of the ghetto. And it's not easy whether you're black or white. Anyway, you know, they stole nine cars. And the police, they didn't find a single car. Now, I don't expect them to chase around my cars looking for my property. But you would think that they would find one out of nine anyway. Well, anyway, then uh, so I've got a million stories they beat this kid half to death, just a block from my shop. Three thugs left him for dead. And uh, I went into Garavelli for lunch, and here he came. I didn't see him six months. I'm wondering what happened to him. Here he comes with his bus tub. Just, we're all just kids. We're all just kids back then. And he's going to bust the tables, and he comes up, and he says, Bonnie, Bonnie. How you been? I said, man, what the heck happened to you? He's just scarred beyond recognition, you know. Oh, they man. just kicked him in the face and oh. left him for dead over 70 cents, Randy. Okay, well, I got a million oh, stories like that. They shot another kid, point Blake, in the head. 17-year-old kid. He worked for a friend of mine that had a shop. He was my, my best friend. Pete Coyle died of cancer, lost my best friend. Well, his helper, they shot him in the head point blank three times. Never found those people, Randy. Never found them. And they don't find these thugs that are doing all this hideous stuff. I got a million stories, Randy, and it's real. This is on the ground floor. This is what's really going on. And that lady in there would not write you a letter to let you know that she was going to nursing school that she wasn't going to be prosecuting crime, and that this is what you're in for. And I don't have any recourse. I go down to try to process. I found a car that they stole, and I caught that thug driving that car. My life was on the line dealing with that. And that officer, I got the feeling that officer 
thought I was an idiot because of, uh, he, he, he couldn't believe I wanted to prosecute it. I was just supposed to let it go. I was supposed to let him do them what they're going to do. He acted like I was, uh, he was just, just surprised. I went down for the arraignment the next day. Tim Garner comes through, didn't even give me the dignity to sit me down and have a conversation. She comes through the yeah. door into the room and she says, we're not going to do anything. I said, what do you mean? We're not going to do anything. I caught that guy driving my car right handed. Well, I'm telling you, we're not going to do anything. It's his word against yours. I said, what do you mean his word against mine? And uh, she said, that's it. All he has to say is that he didn't steal it. So anyway, I didn't have time. I, that was nine o'clock in the morning. It was, it was pushing nine and I just, I had to be back to work. So the lady doesn't write you a letter to let you know that she's not going to be prosecuting crime. Let people know because those poor blacks in there and the poor whites in there that are struggling against poverty, they're ending up in the street now, homeless. But those poor people, yeah. they need to know what they're in for every day. They need to know that their well, lives are on the line. And then the, the police and the bureaucrats and the judges and the uh, district attorneys, they've all accepted this George Soros money. And they act like Marxist socialists as far as I'm concerned. But they don't want to talk about, they want to talk about defunding the police. Well, do you want to take federal money away or do you want to take state money away? Nobody ever is clear about that. They just say defund the police. But they haven't defunded the police. They all took George Soros money, but nobody wants to talk about that. Where did all okay. that money go? So, now, I'm far so caller, caller. police. Hey, I hear your I hear your frustration. Let's try to figure this out. Let's try to talk about this a little bit. You're well, they, you're so much wrong every which way. These Democrats get everything wrong every which way. I think they get their rocks off on screwing us over. They're trying to destroy us. Our constitution does not have power over Marxist socialists that don't uh, lend yeah. credence to it. And you're not going to legislate these Marxist socialists out, I don't think. You're 20 years late to the scene trying to fight Marxist socialists. 20 years late. And you need to get on the ball. Okay, the the legislators are not going to legislate it away. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the police officers I'm reading, I'm hearing you say the police officers were were apathetic. I'll use that word about about real crime that you experienced, that friends of yours experienced. And I'm wondering if it's because of a lack of resources, if it's because they know that the prosecutor is not going to do anything and they know that. If the prosecutor were to do something, the judges either won't or can't lock these people up for as long as it takes to either rehab them or right. throw the key away. Okay, so here's the yeah, question. Well, the um, police aren't making I, any money to start with, and they're yeah. dealing with very dangerous people, and they're not making any, anything to do it. Okay, I know they don't. I have police officers that are friends. We talk about this stuff. They're putting their lives on the line every day dealing with these very dangerous people. When you get three thugs walk up with a gun willing to shoot somebody in the head point blank three yeah. times, those are very dangerous people. They don't, yeah. these people that live in these good areas, working their jobs and living normal lives, they have no idea how bad it is. They, they don't, they yeah. have no idea what it's like on the ground but these police officers do and they don't make well let me ask you this though but but i gotta ask you this hang on hang on hang on hang on let let me ask you this though you 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 lived in these areas where the 
the utter disrespect for law and order by the criminal justice system, let's just put that in a bucket, was negatively impacting the various the very people that were supporting the system that was letting them down. Are they not aware of it? Are they too busy trying to make a living? Why do they keep voting these people back in? Why do they keep voting these people back in? Uh, I, when I go to work, I have to do my job. I have to do my job, and I have to be good at my job. If I don't do my job, I'm in the street. They'll find somebody re- to replace me. Same with the street department. The roads have gone to hell. Supposedly, sorry, I don't mean to, the roads are gone. You're not gonna, you're not gonna restore all these roads. They're too far behind. They got enough money to do it, but the people don't do their jobs. Wow. Hey, listen, man, I, I hear your pain and I and I feel your pain. And I, I think you are not alone. I think there are other people out there who resonate with what you have experienced firsthand and report. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. And um, I, I hope I hope folks will take a listen to what caller said. He's watched crime. He's watched crime go unpunished with the tools that we now have with doorbell cameras, with you know, more and more people are installing these things. It's going to take courage to call the cops when your doorbell camera, your security camera at a business, at a residence, catches a perpetrator committing crime. Because you may be asked to, you may be asked to, uh, to testify against someone or witness. Maybe that's the solution. I, I think there's a, I think there's a silent, um, witness program that needs witness protection to start to root out these criminals because I think there's a lot of people that know who the bad guys are and I think they live in the bad guys communities but they're afraid because they know the system won't protect them and maybe that's the key could it be that that is the missing link if you're if you're living in a in a in a ghetto somewhere near to a crack house or a drug dealers you know a, a, a headquarters you know the crime. You know how the crime affects your neighbor. Maybe your nephew, maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your husband was killed by a gang member. But you don't have the means to get out. You don't have the courage to say anything. It's not a matter of that. You're afraid for your life if you do say something. Do we need to implement a witness protection program at the lowest levels of this government? Not just some high-profile FBI crime. No. At the at the at the someone who's in the who's in the C Mart and they see something happening and they're willing to call it out and they're willing to go to the mat. But you can't do that if you can't depend on the system protecting you from the very people that are committing the crimes. It's a god awful abomination crime and punishment in this country. There is none. I think we need to think about gulags. For low-level criminality, I'm sorry. We need to send the guy that 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 you know uh, brandishes a gun at a clerk at a C Mart at 12 midnight. We need to send him to some gulag where I'm sorry. That's you don't do that. That's unacceptable. We're not going to excuse it away because you grew up in a bad neighborhood. We're not going to let you have a pass because you know. Your mom and dad got divorced. I'm sorry. We've got to stop it. Look at, did you feel that man's frustration? I felt it. I heard it. It hit me hard. 
314-912-1019. Let me know how it hit you and what a potential solution is. We've got to start finding answers. Let's start now when we come back on The Tobler Show. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Talk lines are open now at 314-912-1019. Good morning, everybody. Tony Colombo and Katie Fitzpatrick here. Thanks for listening to The Randy Tobler Show here on News Talk STL. And don't forget to join us every weekday at 2 p.m. for Colombo and Katie. Also, keep it here for my Saturday morning show, The Bluff City Outdoors Show, today at 11. Now, back to Dr. Randy Tobler. Love you, Doc. I was completely unfamiliar with child sex dolls. So I had, of course, to Google it last night. Um, it's a little scared to put it in my search engine, but I did. And um, apparently, there is research on the subject. Not much, not much. But uh, there are what they call maps. Minor attracted persons. Oh. And the limited amount of research that's done on these dolls, guys, suggests that they actually, for people who are attracted to minors, that these dolls actually decrease their proclivity to go out and attack children, that it actually gives... Uh, Let's... Let's let's just stop that there. That is a Democratic state representative, Karen Berg from Kentucky, trying to convince her fellow legislators, who, by the way, are rolling their eyes, looking at their watches, trying to ignore that they're even being party to this discussion, that the way to treat pedophiles is to give them child sex dolls. Child sex dolls. Now. I don't know where you came from, but in my uh, few decades on this planet, all I know is that it was the threat of serious accountability for my actions that, whether I was a kid or otherwise, have, you know, that's what curbs our human sinfulness, that, you know, that emanates from our limbic system, by the way, little neuroanatomy there. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, that to punish someone like this with a child sex doll so they can, I, are you kidding me? This is, this is part of what's wrong with our justice system. We talked with a caller who was very passionate about living in the St. Louis ghettos, he called them, uh, and crime essentially being unpunished. Now, producer Jerome has had experience with this very matter. Jerome, you actually lived in a community where you were you know, shot at. Is that right? Yeah, well, I wasn't the intended target, but yes, I grew up in an area uh, that used to be Back in the 70s and 80s, very nice from what I've heard, you know, very affluent. And then things kind of transpired from there. So one of the instances, um, there were these two guys that lived in the neighborhood that were known to be gangbangers. They were drug dealers, gangbangers, you know, home invasions, breaking into garages, trying to steal cars. And I don't know what the issue was, but I was sitting outside with my friend, leaning out his car, talking to him. These guys were walking past and I was looking at them because I was afraid that they were going to do something. But they just walked past us. And what ended up happening was I just heard this loud pop and it felt like something kind of brushed past my head a bit. And so at the time I was not, you know, didn't know very much about gun culture, didn't know anything about that. So I thought that somebody had just driven by and thrown a firework because, you know, we had a lot of 
people like that that thought that was funny uh, in the area until my friend backed his car up and he yelled, get down, they're shooting. And I was, wow. you know, yeah. wow. so I, I immediately that that moment of what's going on. And then I, you know, ducked down for a bit. The car tried speeding off. So I ran after the car and they didn't have a license plate or anything like that. You know, the tinted windows couldn't get a good view of anybody. So we made a police report. And to this day, they still don't know who was shooting. I also had a friend of mine when he was 16 was in a car with some people. Uh, I guess one of them was gang affiliated, but they'd just come back home. They just pulled up to their house and a couple armed gunmen came from around the house and like knew where this guy lived shot up the entire car and killed my friend and killed the other two passengers. Only one person in the car survived and they still never caught those people. Oh either. My so God. yeah, we, oh. I've, I've got quite a bit of experience with that. Um, and like the gentleman was saying, you know, even if you go to the cops, sometimes it's, it's dangerous for them, but even as a witness, it can be dangerous for you because sometimes all it takes is for somebody to suspect that you talk to the cops, that you're ratting on them, that you're endangering whatever operation they have going on. And then they might come after you. And if they kill you, well, nobody else in the neighborhood is going to want that to happen to them. So you can get killed over nothing and nobody will even report it sometimes. Yeah. So that makes it very dangerous well, and very difficult to be a cop. But that's why I'm, I'm so in favor of the Second Amendment, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, if we if we let our Second Amendment rights for self-defense be eroded by the radical left, this is what will happen. We, that That is basically the last that is the last element of defense that an American citizen has because you can't defend, depend on the criminal justice system or at the point of contact, at the point of criminality, the most well-intended police officer is not going to be there till literally the shooting's over, right? And, and, and that's why I would encourage everyone to, depending on your situation, be ready, be prepared. I, and and be trained well because here's the here's the other dirty problem about that Jerome and sadly we see over and over when people who are trying to defend themselves they become the perpetrators the criminal justice system goes after them why because it's easy or if you're in a blue jurisdiction well heck that makes it even better because we, what were you law abiding citizen to take it out on this poor underprivileged victim of systemic racism or of systemic poverty or of systemic ableism or of systemic genders who are you to do who do you think you are you privileged person with a gun to defend yourself i mean that's where we're at in in 2024 exactly I don't know. I just, uh, it's very frustrating. 314-912-1019. Well, you escaped. Good for you, Jerome. Glad you escaped with your life. Um, but, yeah, well, here's the other question, though. Why why don't people that lived under the fear of the drug gangs, the, the violence, and the fear of being a part of rooting it out, why do they keep voting for the blue, for the Democrats that perpetuate that system? Is it that the the welfare system outstrips their hope for safety. I, I, what is it? So I used to be, believe it or not, I used to be very blue growing up until I experienced the real world. And then I realized a lot of those ideologies are based on being uh, sheltered in your own home and never doing anything with your life. Uh, and so for me, I think it's that idea of the fear narrative, you know, your condition from a very young age, that if you speak mm -hmm. out against certain things and, you know, like you said, you're a bigot, you're racist, you know, check your privilege, all that kind of stuff. So you feel bad about yourself and then they make a lot of excuses for these people. So if you vote for somebody that says we're going to take all the guns away and then suddenly somehow everybody will be safe as if that means that the criminals are not just going to go hide their guns or they're going to use some loophole. I mean, they're <laughs> Illinois has got some of the strictest gun laws outside of, I think, New York and California. 
And there are people right. I knew in high school that had guns that they should have never been able to get access to. You know, I could have, if I wanted to, I could have probably gotten one for cheaper than you can get it from the store. So it really comes down to that idea that you're promising a false sense of security to people that are afraid, but you're keeping them afraid and insecure and afraid to speak out. And that's probably, the, that's why I love Missouri. You know, you know, as St. Louis has its problems just like any other big city does, but I honestly feel safer in Missouri knowing that I can defend myself if I have to, that I'm not going to have to worry about, um, having to go on the news and justify being a white man defending himself against, you know, maybe a potentially non-white offender because the laws here are just so much more, it allows me to be my own first responder. And that's what we need. We don't need, you know, dirty Harry or death wish or anything crazy going out, you know, vigilante justice, but just knowing that I can defend myself and that I'm not going to have to worry about my peers or my job or whoever looking at me like I did something wrong for valuing my life <laughs> is, is a huge state, you know, positive state of mind. And that's why I really appreciate the show as well is because, you know, you and all of your guests, just you, every time we bring up a, a topic, you guys hit the nail on the head with it. Well, and, and, you know, the listeners are, are, I think an active group, which is very, very rewarding to me because when I, when I talk with our listeners and I know that the other hosts, whether it's Mike and Gabe and, you know, and Stell in the morning, Ken and Vic, you know, after that. And uh, of course, uh, Tony and Katie and, and the whole Tim and Chris, when we meet you all, wherever we meet you all, we know that there's a resonance here. We know that there's there's a heart for activism. And that's why I'm so excited about whether it's at the caucuses today where you'll see other candidates and like minded people, whether it's on the air. Hey, the politicians listen to these programs. They listen to News Talk STL. I'm telling you, I know it. We need to let them know that. Um, these are the core issues that we have to win for. We have to win so that we have a voice through our politicians, through our elected officials, through our police officials, through our prosecutors, our court system, that this is what we demand and expect of them. The first order of government is to protect the safety of the people. And when they fall down on that, they've lost our trust. And so, Dear politician, dear city attorney, dear whoever, make sure that you're hearing our voice loud and clear because we're going to call you out when you don't, when you don't work to defend our, our, our safety. And on the national level, if you're running for Congressional District 3, our sovereignty as a nation, these things are related. It's a general philosophy. And I, you know what? I don't have time to get into it a lot today, but we're going to talk about, I think it starts with parenting and this whole movement towards gentle parenting and, and excusing away misbehavior. I don't think it's healthy. And I think that may be the seed that grows into a weed of criminality. That'll end it for today. Jerome, thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. Thank you all, brothers and sisters, for listening. We'll see you next time on The Randy Tobler Show.